Hey guys, welcome back to the show and thank you so much for tuning in. A big thank you especially to our live viewers. I'm Lauren, this is Liam, Hello. and you are watching Pseudo Intellectual. Mm -hmm. So we have a great show tonight. Uh, first off, we're going to start off with some discussion about Tucker Carlson's recent segment on white supremacy and just kind of go into all of the shootings that have happened because we haven't touched on any of them yet yeah. in an episode. Uh, then Tarantino has been accused of not featuring women enough in his movies. You might be thinking, but doesn't he have several movies focused on female characters? Well, doesn't mean he's intersectional enough. So we're going to get into that. Then um, Bill Maher has said some very questionable things regarding Trump and his desires for a recession in order to get rid of Trump. Um, then we're going to be finishing off the show with a discussion about what your, I guess, moral obligations are to children when you were in a relationship with their parents but that relationship is ending. Kind of a blended, mixed family kind of discussion yeah. we're going to be having. It's not an easy it's one. It's from the Reddit, um, Am I the A-Hole? Yes. Yeah, yes, so that'll be fun. Um, and before we go any further, just want to give a quick quick reminder. If you're watching the show and you like what we're doing here, please be sure to like, share, subscribe. It helps us out a ton. YouTube isn't featuring our videos anymore. And actually, Tim Poole, if you watch his show, he's been talking about how the past few days things have gotten even worse for independent media. Uh, we've definitely felt that in our own analytics as well. So if you want to share these videos on Reddit, Facebook, Twitter, email them to people. I know it's a weird requ request, but we can see on YouTube where people find our videos. Some people are finding them through email. I'm not going to complain. We really appreciate that. And if you do want to support the show and you're watching live, you can also give us a super chat. Um, we're not going to be going through them during the hour, but then after the show, stay on the stream. We're going to be going through all your comments, questions, concerns. We read like 99% of things. Just don't make it hateful. I'm okay with saying silly things. Mm. So uh, we have a frequent donor named Ivy Queefin. Who, yeah, he's actually like one of our most consistent <laughs> super chat givers. So we appreciate you, man. And uh, don't forget, if you really want to go the extra mile for us, you can subscribe at blazetv.com slash Lauren using the code Lauren. Not only do you help us keep the lights on over here, but you get to a ton of other great shows. Louder with Crowder, Ali Stuckey's, Chad Prather's, Graham Allen's, Phil Robertson, just so many. Um, so again, that's blazetv.com slash Lauren. Use the code Lauren. You can save money on your annual subscription. All right, so Tucker Carlson. Um, now, we haven't covered the shootings yet. There was the Gilroy Garlic shooting, then the one in El Paso, and then the most recent was one was Ohio. And so those all yeah. happened like in close and, and now sometimes we joke around and we say, oh, we don't have enough content. We hope that a, like a shooting happens. Yeah, this you know? is this is we're never joking, the kind the of thing that we're, we're, yeah. Yeah, you Please want to stop. have to talk about yeah. it. Uh, of course, our prayers go out to everyone affected by the attacks. We condemn in the strongest way possible yeah. any ideology. I mean, that we shouldn't was, even have to say it. That's yeah, what, yeah, but just just so we do say it. Of course, it's mm -hmm. awful. Um, you know, it's that's one of the worst feelings when you go on social media and you see like, oh, I wonder why this specific town is trending, right? Oftentimes, yeah. it's it's never anything good. Um, so since these have happened in such like close, I think they were all within a few days of each other. Really, um, people have been bringing up the issue of gun crime. And gun ownership in relation to the attacks, as is always the case after a mass, yep. yeah, a mass shooting. Um, so th yeah, there, there are a lot of people having that conversation, which is fine. But I think in this segment instead, we're not going to explore the method of the attack so much, which is guns. We're going to be looking more into the motivation of the attack. So which I, I think is safe to say is ideology mixed with a little bit of mental illness. Um, so that brings us to Tucker Carlson. Um, Tucker Carlson, I'm a huge fan of him. Incidentally, and perhaps not so coincidentally, though, the left 
not so keen on him. Last night, he had a segment about the recent shootings and the allegations of white supremacy that everybody is just throwing left, right, and center right now. And essentially, according to the segment, he's just not convinced by all of it. And we have that clip here. As part of their relentless bid to divide this country, Democrats have been warning about white supremacy after the El Paso shooting the left demanded that President Trump denounce a supposedly existential threat to our nation. White supremacists being radicalized and when the leader of the free world can't condemn that. We need to hear from that person strongly condemning and rebuking this ideology. In point of fact, he never endorsed white supremacy or came close to endorsing white supremacy. That's just a lie. But he condemned it anyway. Their response, he didn't really mean it. We have also called on this president to say the words that he finally said today, but they ring hollow when he coddles white supremacists. But the whole thing is a lie. If you were to assemble a list, a hierarchy of concerns or problems this country faces, where would white supremacy be on the list? Right up there with Russia, probably. It's actually not a real problem in America. The combined membership of every white supremacist organization in this country would be able to fit inside a college football stadium. This is a country where the average person is getting poorer, where the suicide rate is spiking. White supremacy, that's the problem. This is a hoax. So I feel like every couple days with Tucker, there is some clip of his or something he said that's so circulating on Twitter that people are mad about. Yeah. Right? Something to do with what he said about immigrants or... Trump or I don't know, something that people are upset about. Um, this segment in particular is causing quite a bit of a stir, though. People are a lot of people felt like he was downplaying the seriousness of the El Paso sure. attack. So and they'll say things like well, a white supremacist saying that white supremacy isn't a problem. Yeah. You know? Shocking. Yeah. Uh, you know, people are saying that he's being hypocritical, hypocritical, sorry, because if this were an Islamic attack or uh, something where an illegal immigrant had killed somebody, he'd be making a big deal out of it. But now that it's white supremacy, he's, oh, people are overreacting. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about. And it's true that the El Paso shooter was motivated by white supremacy. I haven't seen anything that's said the, was it manifesto that was posted wasn't legitimate. It, it seems that that exactly is what his motivations were. Um, but I think with all of these shootings happening so close to each other, the impression that I'm getting from a lot of people on social media is that all of them were white supremacists. Now, I one white supremacist shooting is more than enough, right? And it, that's still awful. Mm. completely terrible but just so we all have the facts right uh i think it is important to note that the ohio shooter from everything we've seen he was actually uh someone who was quite far left now i understand that there is a difference between someone being a far leftist and carrying out a shooting versus carrying out a shooting because he was a far leftist i don't know if there's uh, been enough evidence for them to tie his political ideology directly to the shooting yet versus right. if it was just mental illness i think his sister um people that he knew were injured in the attack so that mm -hmm. maybe it was personal and the gilroy garlic shooting that happened in california this is a report that just came out yesterday a bunch of different outlets covered it but we have from the new york times uh dayton gunman had been exploring violent I violent ideologies fbi says um quote the fbi has opened a domestic terrorism investigation into the gilroy garlic festival shooting the gunman who killed three people and injured 13 in gilroy california had a target list of religious institutions democratic and republican political organizations and federal buildings the fbi said tuesday announcing that it opened a domestic terrorism investigation 
the suspect had been exploring several competing violent ideologies, said John Bennett, the FBI special agent in charge in San Francisco at a news conference. Uh, Mr. Bennett said investigators had not yet uncovered a motive and were trying to determine which ideology, if any, the gunman had ultimately subscribed to and if anyone had helped him prepare for the shooting. The list also included courthouses and the garlic festival, Mr. Bennett said. Uh, so doesn't seem to be any certainty of why the Gilroy shooter acted. Um, yeah, and again, I, I bring this up not to diminish the idea that the El Paso shooter was a white supremacist. He absolutely was. It's terrible, but I feel like the narrative that's being spun right now is that there are white supremacists running wild, which yeah. is simply not what's reflected in reality. It's white men that are shooting a whole bunch of other people because of frustration and all kinds of things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there, again, I hate to even have to bring this up, but because of the narrative that's being spun, I do want to mention people have done examinations into all of the shootings, the mass shootings that have happened lately. And usually it's three or more people being killed in a single yeah. shooting is what qualifies. Um, you know, a, a good amount of them are done by African-Americans related to gang crime. That's not to say that we shouldn't care about these no. uh, white supremacists or, or whatever, these politically motivated mass shootings or school mass shootings. They're all terrible. Uh, but I think it is important to look at all of these things with a good understanding of the context that they're happening in. Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of what the whole thing that Tucker was saying was about, right? He wasn't yes. just saying, he was saying that white supremacy is a hoax, but I think it's definitely, there are, white supremacists exist, right? Mm -hmm. So that's, And but, he, even he, he acknowledged that yeah. there are some. And yeah. he, I think, said that they could probably fill a football stadium if that. Yes. I don't think he's denying that they exist at all. No, I don't think so either. I, yeah. I think what his point is is that it's it's a false narrative, mm -hmm. right? It's not an actual statistically significant phenomenon. Yeah. I mean, you know? and with that, even though of the past three, just one of them was, you still have the synagogue attack in Pittsburgh. Yep. You still have the New Zealand attack, um, which I think was especially lethal in terms of the number of victims that there were. Um over the past few days since these shootings happened, I have seen virtually every conservative that I follow denounce white supremacy. Just unambiguously, it's awful, abhorrent, uh, and antithetical to American Christian Western values. Um, in almost every thread that I see, essentially without fail, there is someone, this has happened to me too when I commented on the El Paso shooting, um, there is some idiot saying, then why do you defend white supremacy and support Trump? Or something along that lines. And so it, the way I see it, there are two white supremacies, okay? There's the white supremacy that thrives on 4chan and Discord servers. Uh, it's small, like Tucker Carlson referenced, but when its members act out, it is extremely violent and lethal. You know, they're racial identitarians. They believe the white race to be superior, and they're actively anti-black, anti-Latino, okay? That's, that's one white supremacy. The other white supremacy is the one that the media and the left likes to link to Donald Trump and Republicans and conservatives in general, okay? Uh, so this white supremacy is comprised of literally like half the people out there are, are part of it. Um, it involves things like wanting border control and voter ID laws. And uh, interestingly, enough, interestingly enough, this type of white supremacy, uh, black and Latino people can themselves be part of this group. Mm -hmm. So two two different things going on. And since the El Paso shooting, I found that the media and the left in general, they've been putting all of their focus on the second type, the, the Trump white supremacy, uh, which is frustrating because, you know, criticizing, screaming about Trump, that's not going to do anything 
to fight the actual white supremacists. And I think Tucker is completely valid in saying that, look, the, the people who are screaming that Trump is enabling these attacks or that Republicans are, I think Reza Aslan said that uh, Trump supporters are white nationalist terror supporters. Like, yeah, he I saw that He tweet. said that. <laughs> um, yeah, you, Tucker is completely valid in dismissing those kind of statements of just, just a hoax because it's, it's insane. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. Um, it does remind me a lot of actually a tweet that I saw that I was a little bit surprised to see, frankly, uh, from Neil deGrasse Tyson, right, where he yeah. brought up a, a number of statistics. Maybe we could pull that tweet up. Yeah, we have that here. Um, and this is one of those Neil deGrasse Tyson tweets where it's like, it's statistically and scientifically accurate, but you got to wonder, his ability to read the room is maybe <sighs> lacking. Um, he said, in the past 48 hours, the USA horrifically lost 34 people to mass shootings on average across any 48 hours, we also lose 500 to medical errors, 300 to flu, 250 to suicide, 200 to car accidents, 40 to homicide via handgun. Often our emotions respond more to spectacle than to data. He's right. That's yeah. That's it's, it's factually accurate. accurate. And that's what he said. He had to put out an apology after a huge backlash. And yeah. I, but it, it was a kind of a half apology as well. But Right. And I, well, I find stuff like it's always hard when you are in the public yes. eye in any way to know what is the best way to react to these shootings because really there's nothing you can say that's going to make it better there's nothing no. you can say that's going to help what those about thoughts and prayers hold up a second <laughs> yeah it, it, it's hard so i what mean what if i put my facebook profile like the color of the country oh that got... that's always good like the outline of like the eiffel tower yeah or... yeah yeah yeah, yeah that, about... that always helps okay good um so yeah i try as long as someone isn't saying something completely ridiculous, I just don't say anything. Like this, I thought was eh, the timing was a little questionable, but he, I just whatever. I honestly, Favorite. I think, I think he's saying a very similar thing to what Tucker was saying. That's what that's yeah, why I bring it up. Which is well, that's part of it, and the other part of it is that there are a lot of more important things to to think about as well, right? Yeah. Not to say that we shouldn't think about these these shootings anyway. They're important, and we should try to to prevent them. But there's also like, look, we're ignoring a huge amount of things in, in America as yeah. well. And this is kind of this whole thing is almost a false narrative where they inflate all these mass shooting statistics as well. Right. Mm -hmm. So, well, that's what I thought was interesting about Tucker's segment is because he actually mentions that there are other things happening. People are yes, poor. Exactly. Right. We have a, a working class that feels really disenfranchised right now. I actually think these things are linked. Right. If we talk about mass shootings, just crime in general, let's talk about inner city crime. Um and, and also, let's you know, people on the left who are being radicalized with Antifa. I feel like all of these um, people who are buying into extreme ideologies, really, if if we wanted to stop it, it involves a lot of the same solutions. And you know, let, let's throw in Islamic extremism in there as well. If if you have someone who feels completely lost, like they don't have anything worth living for, um, their family life sucks. They don't have any job prospects. Maybe they're saddled with student debt or whatever it is. You know, they're their father or their mother wasn't in their lives. Um, they don't have anything to live for. People are going to behave irrationally and sometimes violently. Um, I think if we want to start to address the cause of these shootings and just violence in general, because as even Neil deGrasse Tyson brought up, mass shootings get the most attention because yeah. they're sudden, they're unexpected. They happen in places where they're usually horrifying. violence doesn't yeah. occur. Uh, but, you know, this kind of thing happens all the time in, in places like Chicago, unfortunately, or e even somewhere like Baltimore. Um, why don't we give more attention to those things when, when they actually do happen? Because those people's lives who are dying aren't worth le any less just no, because exactly. it's the status quo for them to be attacked. Yeah. Um, it, you know, if you, whether it's, um, people who are looking into white nationalism or Antifa or Islamic radicalism or even looking into gang life. If you 
if you give someone something to live for, right, you give them a good home life, you give them good job opportunities, you get them out of their echo chambers, you expose them to the world around themselves, or worse comes to worse, you go into their echo chambers and you, you make them get out of their they're safe little bubbles, um, that is going to help things. And I think we're seeing more and more, like, I'm not saying that we should ignore the role of the online world in these shootings. And mental health. I and mental health as well, yeah. especially the, um, you know, there, I think it was the Ohio shooter. Someone reported that he had actually yes. made a target list and been arrested. I think a rape list as well. Something like that. Yeah. And for some reason, it's like, I think everybody should be able to agree that if you're making targeted lists, you shouldn't be able to purchase a gun. I know that was a mm. specific thing because I think he was, was a minor at laws? the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was a minor at the yeah. time. And so usually re- courts records are sealed and everything. Mm-hmm. And I am someone who is very much for like forgiveness and being able to you know, work your way out of something you did in the past, especially if you're a minor. But when it comes to violent things like that, I, I don't think we should let that kind of thing go so easily. Um, so, yeah, I, ultimately, I think the people who are freaking out over what Tucker has said, I don't think they're necessarily the people who would ever agree with anything he said anyways. Um, and I've, I've tried just for myself to stop trying to define the value of what I'm saying based on how people who hate me react. Yeah. I don't find it a very good That's thing true. to do. So I think Tucker's going to keep tucking on. And yeah. uh, I just Twitter after these shootings that happened was so completely toxic. Yeah. It was unbelievable. The the things that people were saying, not being scared at all to link just Republicans and Trump in general to motivating the shooter, which is so frustrating because like if we actually want, like if you actually cared about tackling white supremacy complaining about Trump on Twitter and like, so what this person shot people. So you're going to use this as more ammunition against your political leader who you don't like. And then that's going to turn the white supremacist friendly again. Like, what are your, what are your thoughts even there? It's just, it's completely not what we need if we actually want to solve the problem. Yeah. Now I do want to add something more positive, I guess, at the end of the story to make it a little, a little bit less bitter. Um, there was an actual instance recently where a Texas grandmother stopped yes. the mass shooting from happening. Uh, I think a lot of people have heard this story by now, but essentially I guess the message is if you see someone that you think is a violent threat, particularly if they're a gun owner, yeah. uh, a threat to themselves a, or others, you know, Yeah. Um, I, I hate to bring this up, but you know, young men, especially we're seeing being, yeah, that's uh, fair. The, the perpetrators of this and i think it's because we've been overlooking them for far too long so you know if, if you if you have someone in your life you know obviously not just a man but if you have anyone in your life who's a family member or a friend and they're being ostracized they're alone uh, you worry about them just be there for them to yeah. check up on them for for themselves for the people around them like i think we need to be better as families as communities looking out for each other um but yeah the props to that grandma because that mustn't have been easy to do oh no yeah. So our next segment is a little bit of a, a little bit on the lighter side. Quentin Tarantino. Very, very, I don't know, enigmatic. He's he's kind of I don't know how to describe him as a filmmaker or just weird. person in general. He's weird. He's yeah. weird. But... He's weird. He's a weird guy. Uh, I'm not a fan of him as a person from anything that I've seen, no. but I do like his movies. That's what the little uh, board behind us is about. Yeah. Let me get Lauren shot on there. <laughs> Um, people may have been wondering yeah so we're going to be talking about for feet what's that quentin mean tarantino yeah. well if you watch quentin tarantino's movies and this is not what the entire segment is about by the way you'll notice he there are it a lot could of be, though yeah well like, you could do an entire segment on it's this. a That's whole how thing much there are a lot yeah. of feet Lots in of his feet. movies we were watching kill bill the first one and i i've 
liked his movies for a long time. I was watching them probably when just in terms of like R ratings, I shouldn't have been watching them. Mm. But I never noticed it before. You pointed it out. There are a lot of foot shots. Yeah, it's really it strange. It's a it's a thing for him. Uh, not the weirdest fetish we've talked about on the show though, with no. the whole Jessica Yaniv thing. I'm not going to get into that, but whatever. Well, there's there's you could go like there's a very very low floor in terms of fetishes, right? Yeah. So like you know, comparing it to Jessica Yaniv, it's not the best comparison. Foot fetish is like it's acceptable to some degree. I don't like it, well, but you know it's yeah. like, it is it is what it is. But it's, it's not, not like, the worst uh, thing yeah. out there. No, for sure. Uh, So Time recently ran an article that was critical of Tarantino's female characters, or rather the lack thereof. And this got ratio to to all hell from everything that I've seen. So um, the article is called, We Counted Every Line in Every Quentin Tarantino Film to See How Often Women Talk. A New York Times reporter in a recent interview with Quentin Tarantino implied that the director had made a deliberate choice not to give Oscar-nominated actress Margot Robbie more lines in his latest release, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Tarantino responded, well, I just reject your hypothesis. The data show clearly that men have gotten the majority of dialogue in Tarantino's films. In part, that's because most of the director's films have male leads as well as a male majority cast. But even Tarantino films with female leads and more female characters tend to give more dialogue to men. And in the article, there were included these two graphs, one that shows the film scripts of Quentin Tarantino by gender, um, just the number of lines that female characters have versus male characters. And then the other graph is the share of female characters to the share of male characters. And you'll see that there is clearly some male domination happening in both the amount of male characters there are and also the speaking time that they have. But what's what's interesting is that you see that Death Proof is on this. That was made in 2007. Um, Originally, the authors of the article did not include that in this graph, which is funny because... Yes, that's, it has the, the highest female ratio. Yeah, right? the highest female yeah. ratio. Their reasoning was that it was because of that double feature he did with uh, Robert Rodriguez, right. where Rodriguez did Planet Terror. I preferred Planet Terror to Death Proof or whatever. Um, so I don't know. I thought that was kind of convenient for them. But even besides Death Proof, all right, we're seeing that, uh, let's say, Kill Bill is, is probably the one after Death Proof that has the most lines spoken by women, which makes sense because... Um, Uma Thurman, yeah, Yeah. female lead. Uh, But still, even in that movie, the overwhelming share of characters were male. And just, you know, in general, of the the films, we're not seeing a lot of females talking. Um, So once this article was released, a lot of people were saying... Who cares? Uh, do you have nothing better to the, better to do? Why yeah, they got you, paid for that, right? Yeah, why are you complaining Oof. so much? You got paid to watch every Quentin Tarantino film, or maybe they just went by the scripts. I guess they could. They said that sometimes they went by the scripts, sometimes they didn't. Okay, yeah. Well, you got paid to do that. Just just sort through Tarantino films. I would love to be able to do that. Um, so what what I think is also interesting there is that they they're including re- like films like Reservoir Dogs, and I think what what's the other one? Um, Let's see, da, 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 Jackie Brown, right? So Pulp Fiction, Tarantino has been around for a while. So some of these movies are older than I am. It's kind of hard to hold a 27-year-old movie up to 2019 intersectional feminist standards. Yeah, it's the age-old thing where they go back to someone's Twitter and find a joke they find insensitive. Yeah. And I, like, I remember it's like, a, gosh, who was that old cowboy that people were oh. so shocked? That He's he- an airport named after him. John, John Wayne, John yes, Wayne. thank you, Shane. Yeah. yeah, so John Wayne, apparently people were shocked um, when it turned out that he was not an intersectional feminist. Like, no. really, this guy who was born in, like, what, 1900 
it did not have the same views toward like gender and racial equality that you no. did. But actually, and he was fairly progressive was, by the standard of the time. The standard, yeah, it he was. was. So, um, so mind boggling. Yeah. I've watched every almost every Tarantino film. Haven't seen the latest one yet. Um, I've never once thought to myself, "Man, not enough women characters in this." No. Actually, I don't. I tend not to analyze books or TV shows or movies by that lens. I remember um, Maze Runner. One of the plot points of the book is that it's all boys there mm. when it starts. It was like literally until the point where a female character was introduced and everyone was like, oh, a girl, that I actually realized there were no other female characters. That's like my high school, basically. <laughs> I went to an all-guys high school. Yeah. yeah, I went to an all-girls high school for the most time. I liked it. Um, but yeah, I just... I don't really understand these people who have to see representation in everything, right? Because if if there were no movies at all that were featuring women, if film as a whole was just a male-dominated industry, I could understand... Like the Shakespearean like, times, I guess? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or even, I think, in ancient China, um, any female roles were played by males as well, who just, like, dressed yeah. up in, in drag. It's not like that anymore, and people have no problem with films like the Ghostbusters or Ocean 8 yeah, remakes. exactly. The opposite of that. Yeah, that are completely well, even female. Even earlier than that, they had, I think, like Mean Girls, right? Things yeah. like that that were all female cast. I mean, it was fine. Even before that, you had Heathers. Yeah. Um, there's a whole history of just like these chick flicks that are usually rom-coms and stuff, but those are female-dominated. And I think when you look at Tarantino's work in the context of what the movies are about, you don't just go through the scripts and count lines by women. I think it's pretty hard to call him... Well, uh, let's say not say sexist, but... It's hard to accuse him of not giving his female actresses enough material to work with. If right. you look at, I mean, just Kill Bill, how much he's worked with Uma Thurman. she That's one of the first that I can think of, like, big movies that came out, the first one in 2003, that features, like, a female action star. Not, yeah. not the first, but it's kind of one of the biggest ones that's really maintained its popularity and I think its quality over time. And, I mean, if you look at his other films, like Reservoir Dogs or Inglorious Bastards, Django Unchained... Or, uh, was it The Hateful Eight? Do do I need to see female gangsters, female, like, Wild West bounty hunters, female soldiers in World War II, like the same Battlefield Five? I'm okay knowing that females aren't just half-half in every single industry out there. Right. I mean, that's the thing is that we're talking with people that would actually answer yes to that. Yeah, they would actually true. say, we want half of everything. We want half of the soldiers in Battlefield One to be females. <laughs> And then the other have to be transgender. Yeah. And then, you know, so they're, they're really about diversity, by which I mean anti-white male, basically. Um, so yeah. they're just, they're happy to to see any form of this and, and any sort of count where they we talk rationally about, okay, that movie, you know, Reservoir Dogs, which is maybe my favorite Tarantino film. Yeah, uh, a lot frankly. of people. I really like that one. Like, it had an all-male cast, almost, you yeah. know? And there's nothing... Like, it was perfect, I think. There was no undertones about anything. Why isn't you know, there, fine. like, a Mrs. Pink or something right. like that? Yeah. No, no no one cares. No, it couldn't be pink. That's... Now you're stereotyping women. You're putting <laughs> them as pink? That's true. What? That's true. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, but if, if you follow Tarantino's career, you'll know that this is not the first time he's kind of been criticized by PC police. Um, he tends to use the N-word a lot that's in true. his films. And uh, despite... I think, I think Samuel L. Jackson may have given him an N-word card. But not yeah. everyone sees that as valid. And just in general, he really, he uses a lot of violence, which I think is part of his style, and it's stylized and things like that. It's aesthetic. But yeah, people don't like him. And he's in a hard place right now because I feel, especially with, from everything I've heard about his latest film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it's very much an artistic film. It's I less heard there's commercial. a lot of feet in it, again. 
not surprised. But I mean, if you're if you're kind of banking on your film drawing in the artsy crowd, uh, right now the artsy crowd yeah. does want non-white female representation. So I don't know ultimately how well the newest movie is going to do, uh, just because I've heard mixed things about it too. Like yeah, I've me heard too. people either hate it or love it. A lot, I mean, a lot of, of people said the same thing about The Hateful Eight. I, I found The Hateful Eight fine, frankly. I but thought it was it wasn't fine, great, but not but that great. Not enough women. And the only woman was a criminal, which is not feminist. See, even that, I also... No, I thought that was feminist. It was like, yeah, they could be the baddest of the bad, you know? So I was like, wow, great intersectionality. Yeah, but it's maybe it's playing into female stereotypes that women are like liars or cheaters. Yeah, or actually, something. you know what? You can't win. Is I, the don't truth, yeah, right? I don't That's know. Yeah, I don't know. That's the whole point of this. Uh, sorry, Quentin Tarantino. Um... Actually, it is weird that of all like the controversies that's surrounding how he handles women, that no one has brought up the foot thing. I would. That's like one of the things that it's I would bring so up. It's so weird. Just no. him sucking on uh, what is it, Selma Hayek's toes? Yeah, dust till dawn. That is it. I can't look at the screen. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, it's I'm not gonna kink shame if he's really in defeat. It's weird that he feels the need to bring that into his movies so yeah, much. That's what I think. Uh, in any case, though, all right, let's go on. Bill Maher. Uh, Bill Maher is another person who I do not like. Yeah, just talking about all these people. Well, he's probably the least bad of those talk show hosts, though, if you ask me. Which isn't a very, like, again, it's a a low bar to hold him to. He used to, I think, identify as a libertarian and stuff, which I think he's he's gotten more, like, straight up left, I think, as his show has gone on. But I don't know. From He's kind of a creep. Not a huge fan. My grandma watches him a lot. I try Mm. to balance her out with some Ben Shapiro sometimes, and she doesn't know how to change the computer once I put it on, so it's good. (laughs) Uh, I'm kidding. Um, So he recently caused some controversy, some statements he made about his show just this week, um, where he claims that he's willing to go so far as wishing and hoping for a recession, economic turmoil of his own country, just to get rid of Trump, and we have that clip. All right, Josh, isn't the Fed cutting rates now just going to make the next economic downturn worse? What's your prediction? I've been... Hoping for a recession, people hate me for it, but yeah, it, it would get rid bad. of Trump, so you shouldn't hate me for it. I mean, recessions are really bad. People lose their jobs and their I know. And, we, and we shouldn't wish it's them. worth it. So that's a that's a kind of a crappy thing to do. Yeah, right? I mean, I think it's fair to say that with an economic recession, like there is a cost to human life. Oh yeah, right? no, so, for sure. I mean, I'm not saying he wants people to die so that Trump can get out of power, but yeah, I mean, and that's you know. It's, Mike Cernovich brought that up, too. When there is economic recessions, people, suicide rates, unfortunately, don't. Probably don't heart attack rates yeah, increase. I don't know. I'm just making that up. But uh, stuff like that, that yeah, probably no, that causes is correlated, right? Financial distress causes real distress in people's lives, right? I mean, recessions, maybe they don't affect millionaire talk show hosts, which is nice. Good for you. But for the like the average person, recessions, yeah. it can mean losing your job. That's the slimy thing. Is he just told a whole bunch of people. Yeah, F I you, don't. I basically. don't care. I don't care if you. I have money, you know. so I'd be fine. But I don't like yeah. him, so I'm. I'm willing to put like your home on the line, maybe your ability to afford tuition on the line, because I don't like Trump. So yeah. a lot of people are not taking that too kindly, which I think is fair. Like that's one of the. It's one of the most elitist things I've heard someone say in a long time, and yeah. in public too on television. I assume all of them talk like this when they're like with their millionaire friends. Yep. Kind of shocking to see them just come right out and say it. Because they get on each other's jets and fly around. And, mm-hmm. and then you also complain about global and, warming a little yeah, bit. That's yeah, that's true. Um, so yeah, he's essentially, I think, putting his hatred of Trump above his love and care for his fellow citizens. But what can kind of confuses me is that, okay, you acknowledge the economy is doing well right now. Obviously, like, he must know like that's an objective fact. Um, so why do you still hate Trump so much? Like, he is notorious for his Trump derangement syndrome, syndrome oh. his TDS. He's joked about like assassinating Trump before. 
Um, That's unfortunately, he's not the only one. Yeah, but he, he is one of the many Hollywood people to do so. He's the epitome of orange man bad. Yeah, you know, no, all, he, he really costs, is. And so. like him talking about hating him so much that he doesn't care about the economy. Like, am, am I strange or different for thinking that probably the one of the most important things a leader should do is cultivate a strong national economy? Right. Maybe maybe you say, well, oh, well, that wasn't all Trump. That was like a bunch of other things like whatever. At least Trump isn't messing it up, mm -hmm. which is more than I can say for certain other countries, leaders who may believe that budgets balance themselves. I don't know. Um, so, it yeah, it, it really does. <laughs> um, the only only good thing about that is I get paid in American dollars. So the exchange rate is kind of nice for people like me. But that is still great. Not Thank worth, you for the super chats. Yeah, it's still not worth the, the general uh, economic despair that a lot of canada is in but yeah i mean if he hates trump this much fair enough but not being able to say all right rationally i see that a lot of people are doing better right now right uh unemployment is at historic lows for a lot of people black people hispanic people women um black entrepreneurship is up people are doing better economically than they have in a long time and it's so i will never understand looking at that, spitting on it, and saying, no, take it away because I still don't like Trump. It's like, not only are you actively hoping that your leader fails, which is dumb because he's still your leader, uh, but you're hoping that he fails in such a way that hurts everybody else. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of people, and it's rational, completely vote entirely based on economics, right? You yeah. want to say, oh, I'll get tax breaks from this because I'm being overtaxed in this way or that way. That's how you a know, lot of people It, it makes vote. a lot of yeah. sense. It's one of the things that impacts you directly the most. Yeah, and your family. Leadership. Yeah, so... I mean, for him just to say, oh, screw that. I don't like, I, I, I don't like some of his tweets. Yeah. And, you know, I, there's some fair criticism to be had, no doubt. But that's a it's, ridiculous it's a point statement. Of, it's yeah. a point of privilege to say I have so much money, so yes. much wealth, such job security. I don't even care what the rest of the country is going through economically. Because I'll probably be fine and we'll just get a new leader and that'll be better for we me. We can jettison some of the pores. Yeah, exactly. They're like cannon fodder in his political games. It's pretty sad. Um, but, okay, what throws me for a loop with Bill Maher. Like I said, I'm not a fan of him, but in a lot of ways, especially when he's been talking about the Democrats and how they're playing for 2020, he's right. Like he's an a-hole, but he's still right about some things, which is like, I, I'll just call it like it is. I, I don't like him, but I, I'm not afraid of saying that he is right sometimes. Um, you know, he has enough awareness to know that on, on the path they currently are on, Democrats are not in good shape for 2020. Here's another clip we have, and I believe it's actually from the same show. So it's like an emo emotional roller coaster watching that show for me. All the Democrats have to do to win is to come off less crazy than Trump. And of course, they're blowing it. <laughs> Coming across as unserious people who are going to take away all your money so migrants from Honduras can go to college for free and get a major in America sucks. Now, do I want Biden to be president? Not really. But Biden's the only Democrat who beats Trump in Ohio. I feel like the line about the Honduran migrants should have gotten more laughs than it did with his yeah. audience. I, yeah. feel, I feel like that deserved more. Well, they laughed about like the creamer joke right after, which yeah. I thought was funny too. But yeah, the it's not as good as the migrants. migrant joke. Well, that it was, was too real for them. They're yeah, like, <laughs> like, what's wrong with that? Hold yeah. up. No, I, I love it. And the thing is, he's not wrong about that. No. Like his, I don't know how his audience felt about that, but he's definitely, he's onto something. And I don't think anything he said there is anti-leftist, right? It's just kind of acknowledging. Well, some of them embrace those ideas fully, you know? I, I think it's, he's just, so. he's being realistic, yeah. right? You have but to again win elections before you do like anything revolutionary. Right? Right. You can't have a revolution if you're not in power. 
Well, if you if you watch some of the, the debates, you would see that they have like wish list economy going on, right? Yeah. Like we're going to do this, this, this through our infinite money and our, our new green deal and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. So in so, so some degree, yeah, they're just, they're not realistic in any way. And that's kind of the ideology. And the ones that were realistic, the moderates, which... They got laughed out. Like got, Elizabeth yeah. Warren, people were saying it was a smackdown when she said, uh, I don't know why you'd bother to run for president to say everything you can't do. Ugh. It's like, because yeah. he knows how general elections work. You can't just... I, I don't know, pitch out ideas that like maybe your fringe 10% base is going to like right. so you win the primary and then think it's not going to affect you in the general. If Trump sees that the candidate, the Democrats pick, is doing things like promising health care and free college to illegal immigrants, you don't think he's going to use that? Like, do you think people will just Absolutely. magically forget? And I no. think you picked up on something that's important there is that this has to go, uh, has to do with Twitter followers again, right? Yeah. Like this kind of like Twitter Democrat that's super far left, that's very vocal. And these politicians are playing to them as well as people in the audience, I guess, there, which are probably a big yeah. crossover of those Twitter. I would dams, imagine. But yeah. the reality is most people are moderate, right? Like yeah. most, most people, people do like, care about things like right. the economy and borders, I think mm. is fair to say as well. You know, yeah. I mean, they don't know. Everybody sure. thinks it's a white supremacy thing. Bo- like no borders. That is a radical idea. And Absolutely. Mar is right on this for sure, for sure. And it, what's so funny is that people like him and even someone like Tim Pool, who is also on the left, but is very critical of the way the Democrats are handling themselves in regard to kind of going woke. Um, they're really being kind of put out to pasture by other people on the left. Um, I saw Rolling Stone specifically didn't take kindly to Mar's segment or the Honduran joke, which is just too bad. Um, yeah, they're saying, like, because Mar, he's not woke enough for them, which is a problem for him now. He, right. he, he donated, like, I think a million dollars to Obama. Yeah. Um, but he's not on board this, like, far-left AOC intersectional He every train. now and again has, like, a right-winger on his panels, and they, yeah. they speak, you know, and I think and that's, another, that's bad, right? He's also, I know he said the N-word in the past. He's critical of Islam. He's made, like, sexist jokes. So, like, all in all, he's not a super PC guy. So I think... No. I, I'm pretty sure it's just a matter of time before eventually the left says he's canceled, right? Because, I mean, A, he's coming for them, and they don't like that. He's right. But they still don't like that. And if, if they were to follow his advice, I think they'd have a much better shot at 2020. But and we got enough old white men talk show hosts. Frankly. Yeah, that's like, true. You know, we, we need something more empowered. It's time. <laughs> yeah. Put on Trevor Noah. Uh, yeah. And then B, he's not PC. Um, so this this is not the first time he's gone after Democrats for kind of chasing the very small woke vote. Uh, we have another clip here from it's after one of the debates and he was critical of like the new wokeness of the democratic party, especially when they spent a lot of the time uh, attacking Obama, who was very, very popular among Democrats and fairly mainstream considering where the party is now. But you're probably still excited about the debates this week. You watch the debates. I'm sure that the democratic candidates, democratic candidates went after the president hard. Unfortunately, the president was Obama. Uh, <laughs> Did you watch the debates? Because that happened. Yeah, the guy with the 97% approval rating among the Democrats. His shit is not woke enough now. <laughs> yeah, Trump saw that. He called Putin. He said, I got this one. So I think, again, he's right about this. Still a jerk for the recession comments, but I think he has good insight into what's happening on the left now. Um, I don't think the Democrats are really in the mood. At least the ones in power are in the mood to actually listen to people like him. No. Uh, to people like Tim Pool, to people like, uh, gosh, the something Tracy, the XTYT reporter. I don't know. Oh, he, anyway, uh, Glenn Greenwald. I don't, I don't think there really is anything that people who are on the left who want someone who's more moderate. 
um, there's anything these people can say to the party that is not going to be interpreted as just siding with the sexist, racist, homophobic people, which is sad. And it's a really tough position to be in if you're someone who does not want to support Trump, which obviously uh, Bill Maher does not. But at the same time, you're not maybe really okay with just full on open borders and like yeah. literal socialism. Yeah, it's tough because you really do have a two party system there too. You got to yeah. choose one or the other, you know, uh, I mean, you could always vote libertarian, but that's a uh... throw away your vote. Yeah, do it. Uh, uh, yeah. I dare you. <laughs> <laughs> No, but that you know, but that is hard. Uh, I, I feel some sympathy for a lot of those people on the left that mm-hmm. really, and, and I mean, increasingly, it's not like a middle group of people that feel. And there are some people on the right that think that Trump's rhetoric is too far as well. So uh, I don't feel bad for the never Trumpers. Like, <laughs> oh, okay, well, that, that's a different type. Yeah, of Yeah, they can being. sit somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's actually it's been a while since we did a video on the bulwark. I've been like compiling articles. Maybe that'll happen again yeah, soon. That's a, that's yeah, that's a fun one. Um, okay, so our final segment is something that it's. It's a tricky conversation to have. I like to save these for last because, you know, then we can just peace out and we don't have to deal with the emotional backlash. But um, Except we also will be answering Super Chats right after this one. Yeah. So stay tuned. <laughs> so, yeah, if you have something angry to say, you'll have the opportunity to do so in just about 20 minutes. But the issue of raising other people's kids, um, you know, Things like adoption, of course, is amazing. That's not what we're referring to at all in this segment. Um, and there also there are absolutely step parents out there who really just step up. Most, uh, yeah, most are with good. their stepchildren. Yeah. Um, you know, real MVPs who make an effort to have a blended family that works. And you know, just so much props to those people. Um, however, in our culture, it is becoming more and more common to have kids out of wedlock. And yeah. so we're, we're, we're not really talking about necessarily parents and then they divorce, but just it's a kid who you were never married to the father or, or the mother. Um, and so with that being more and more the norm, we see people being confronted with really, really hard situations, right? When it comes to dating, um, some people are fine with dating someone with kids, uh, with a child from a previous relationship and would even be happy maybe to fill in a step-parent role. Um, but what happens when the relationship with the child's parent ends and you're stuck with this kid who maybe has been in your life for a year? Yeah. Um, are you obligated to stay in that kid's life? Right? It's, okay, maybe, like, if they're a baby, maybe they don't have that much of an emotional attachment to you. What if they're... 10 what if they're 11 what if they maybe even started calling you dad um that's a really really hard question to tackle uh how far does your allegiance to these children who are not yours go once the relationship with the parent ends so this question or variance of it who variants which are oftentimes a lot more confusing and scandalous than what i just described um they come up a lot on a subreddit on a subreddit call that we mentioned earlier i am not the a-hole so I think we featured think it before I think on the show. Am I? Yeah, sorry. Am I, am the, I the a-hole? And then you, you, so you, you present your story as it yeah. is, and then people vote. Like, you are the a-hole or you are not the a-hole. Yeah. So. And sometimes it's something you've already done, and you're hoping yes. to maybe get a little confirmation that you are not the a-hole in the situation. Sometimes uh, people say, would I be the a-hole? Like, they're thinking right. of doing something. Yeah. And they would like to know before they do it if they would be the jerk in that situation. Um, it's, it's a nice, neat little subreddit. Um, a lot of the posts that I've at least seen lately do relate to how to handle children. Um, there are people out there who just aren't sure how to deal with this. We have, um, three examples 
there are so many more that deal with this same yeah. kind of situation. Um, here are some that I found. Um, one person asks, am I the a-hole or A-I-T-A for refusing to adopt my wife's two kids after discovering who the real father is? I am a 35 years old guy and I was lucky enough to marry my crush two years ago. We met at work where she was a receptionist for the big building my company is in. Anyway, she has two daughters, six and seven years old. I know the kid's dad had died only from my wife's words and I had never reason to doubt that. It has been two or three months since she started convincing me that I should adopt them as a birthday gift for both of them. I'd be fine with that. It's just paper for what I would do anyways. I agreed to do that, and she said she'd get on with the documents. What really got me suspicious is how she changed her behavior with her phone and laptop. She started putting the phone face down, and she created a totally different user for her laptop she switches to when she's with me. I thought she was cheating, so I did what every scumbag like me would do. I spied on her. Long story short, I come to know by a very reliable source that her ex-husband isn't paying alimony anymore as he's in jail with no money to his account. So he's not dead. Uh, this person says, I confronted my wife and she didn't deny any of it. She started crying and she was adamant that she did that only for the kid's well-being. She was firm about stating that nothing happened with her ex while she was with me. She said that her ex is dead for her, for her by all means. She admitted that she lied, but for good purposes, as she was scared that, the, that a guy like me would be scared by her reckless past. So now essentially this person is saying, am I the a-hole for not wanting to adopt my wife's two kids right. after discovering that their father is in fact... Alive, alive and right. not paying uh, child support. Another person asks, am I the a-hole for leaving my cheating wife and her child for good? He says, so last week, due to a digital blunder, I did find out that my wife of seven years has been cheating on me five years ago. When confronted, my wife did confess, and I further learned that our child is a result of said affair. Hence, it's not actually mine. Cheating is an absolute no-go for me, and she knows that. So after I had the confirmation, I immediately decided to divorce, for which I will be filing soon. Now, when it comes to my kid, something in me changed as well. I always wanted to have kids, but to me, it's important that they are biologically mine. So I decided to not only leave my wife, but also her child for good. It will be up to the court whether I will have to pay alimony, and if I have to, I will, but I will cut all contact. I know it will be hard for the kid, and I know that the kid did nothing wrong, but neither did I. I didn't sign up for this, so I am walking out. My soon-to-be ex-wife and her infidelity is to blame entirely. Um, so he said, he's asking, am I the a-hole for leaving not only the wife, but also the child who it turns out is not his. And we have this final one who, he didn't do anything yet, but he's asking, would I be the a-hole if I canceled the adoption of my stepdaughter? This person writes, me and her mom have been married a year and the daughter was the product of a horribly, horribly abusive ex-husband. Now, because of personal issues of our own, my wife has just told me that she wants to file for divorce, but that she wants to wait until after I adopt our kid. When I told her that I was afraid of adopting our daughter because of the child support I'll have to pay and not being a family anymore, which is why I wanted to in the first place, she had a full panic attack and accused me of leaving her in her abuser's control. Would I be the a-hole if I told my lawyer to stop the adoption process? So there's... Yeah. Uh, those are rough. Yeah. Frankly, I mean... Each one of those is rough. Yeah. I think the answer to all of them is no. You're not the asshole, in my opinion. But uh, it's it's a lot more nuanced than that, I guess. And well, each situation is different, too, though. Yeah, each each situation is different, and it just so happens that all of these examples are with men. But they're examples of women dealing with the same kind of issues as well. Their boyfriends have children from past relationships. Uh, one of their there was one post that I was reading where there was a woman who actually married this guy, and. Um, 
she knew that he had a daughter that he didn't have contact with and he didn't want contact with, but then after they got married, um, things changed, which happens, but then he expected her to be mom to the daughter, which she didn't sign up for, so that was causing problems. Um, the thing is, and people say marriage is just this religious government institution, there is a reason why historically children have been linked to marriage and to forming lifelong bonds with your partner. Obviously, even in the past, things didn't always work out. You can't always plan for every situation. Uh, when mm -hmm. things go wrong, you do the best that you can, uh, you know, by your spouse, by your kid. But we are getting to a point in society where this is more and more the norm. And I think we can expect to see these kinds of questions pop up more and more. And this isn't easy because I, of course, think that you know, the, the children in these situations did nothing wrong, right? They didn't know that they weren't actually the biological son of that person or that their mom probably had lied or whatever it is. But at the same time, you can say that these people, oh, they, you know, they, they should take care of these kids and do the right thing. But mm. I mean, I think the the person who should take responsibility for any child's feelings being hurt in the situation is the other parent, right? Yes. Not this person who came into the situation. Tried to help. Then, tried yeah. to help. And especially the person whose uh, wife who wants to divorce him is demanding that he adopt that, her that daughter. One, I mean, both of the, both of the, the first one, and the last one, the first one being with the father in jail. Yeah. Like to me, it's like once he gets out of jail, potentially, she might just run right back to him. But now you're stuck paying child support to this right. guy. It's, that would be, it's like, no, you, listen, here's what it is. You, yeah. You, she lied to you, a, a huge lie, That's right? That's a big for, lie. For years. And I mean, right, because, you know, little white lies happen in relationships, not good, but they happen. This is a big one. Yeah, absolutely. This is a really, really big one. Yeah. No, for sure. And I especially... I you with a widow, but... And especially the, the post, the, the full length, we did cut it down. Um, it explains that... For a while, the wife was actually getting child support payments that she was hiding from him. Yeah. And he had been financially supporting the kids, he thought, entirely. She claims that the money was going to a college fund for the kids when they turn 18. He has no way to ver verify that. She hasn't offered anything. So, honestly, like, I think if you're going to be upset with anybody in these situations, it should be at the the wife who lied to this poor guy who maybe wouldn't want yeah. to get into a situation where there's a, a dad in jail or an abusive ex in yeah. jail. The hardest one is one where you thought it was your own kid. Yeah, right? that's that really one is, hard. That one is insane. I mean, like, I think in none of them, I think there's no compelling argument to me that you have an obligation to, to raise these children. Right. You could, you could say that, that it would be the nice thing to do. You yes. should do it. But I think it's very, very hard to say that it is your responsibility to do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, should... Should, I guess, implying that you have a duty to it? No, but should as in, like, it would be potentially... Yeah, because, I mean, but that, that's like saying, like, action. should you adopt? Yeah, you should adopt. Like, I, I mean, it's great. Adoption is an amazing thing. But is someone an a-hole for not adopting? And for... No, I, I don't think so. And so that's, that's what's hard. I think ideally we'd all like to think ourselves capable of just selflessly raising children who aren't our own. But yeah. I think... And this is such, it's such a bad situation, but like realistically, there are emotional complications with that. Like, are you ready to be tied to your ex for, for all of the rest of this child's life? Um, you know, financially, if you do want to have your own kids, will you be able to swing that both ways? If you're going to be dating again, like, unfortunately, uh, it looks like at least the last person is because his wife is leaving him. Um, are you going to be able to find 
a partner who is okay with you having an adoptive stepdaughter from your previous relationship. Because a lot of people, yeah. unfortunately for reasons like this, do say that when it comes to relationships, they don't want to date somebody with kids. Yeah, again, I, I don't think these people are the a-hole at all. I, you know, I don't I think don't, so uh, either. Um, I, they can potentially do a really good deed in some way by helping out maybe, uh, but I wouldn't, I would never, in either, I don't any of these situations, yeah. I wouldn't be adopting, I don't think. Maybe you stay involved in the child's life, even if you feel so generous to financially support them perhaps mm -hmm. in some way. But yeah, no, absolutely, that would not, it's that would just, not fly with like and my heart goes out to the kids in these situations, right? Yeah, they're the real victims here. No, absolutely, they are the real victims, and that's why if you are a single parent, you I think you have to be careful with dating again, right? Because not only do the abuse rates really skyrocket when you have a male in the house who is not biologically related to the children, yeah, unfortunate, but it's true. Um, but you also have to deal with the emotional backlash for the child if you break up with that person who now maybe is the only father figure they've ever known in their lives. And yeah. I know for that reason specifically, some single parents have a rule where it's like, unless it's serious, it's maybe even as much as a year, they are not going to involve you in their child's lives just because you're kind of leaving them vulnerable to the potential heartbreak that might come if that person leaves. Such a bad, bad, bad situation. Um, yeah, so seeing stories like this, it it really kind of drives home the point. Like I said before, that, hey, this whole marriage thing, it exists for a reason. And, you know, obviously the, the one person who wife was cheating on him, he didn't know anything about that That's, either. That, yeah, that one, that one gets me the angriest Yeah, I mean, far. like, by far. reading stories on Reddit. And That's even like, well, you need to instill, like, medieval law sometimes, you know? Yeah. But I'm even, joking, of course, but... But even, like, know. watching stuff like this, I, I don't think people should be afraid to get paternity tests in this day and age. As bad as that sounds, like, I, I think if you have any, like... Well... It, it's kind of like, but, but if you needed to trust me, then you wouldn't even need to ask, but... It's isn't just, isn't it like in December, in like uh, you know, December, early January, a whole slew of people are finding out, oh, these are not my biological parents. One of my parents, because they get the twenty three and Me tests for Christmas, oh, right? Yeah. So there's like a whole. Uh, I, there might even be a subreddit on this. I'm not even sure, but where people take these genetic tests, let's find out how yeah. Irish we are, Dad. And you're like, oh, I'm not Irish at all, but my last name is McDougal. You yeah, know, like, it's like I thought both uh -oh. of you were Irish, but for some reason, I'm like half Sicilian or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, so. semi-related point to that my 23 and me test did confirm what i thought i wasn't for you as well so yeah definitely, yeah. definitely. no unfortunate surprises with our test there but um i would love to know what you guys think about this uh how can we prevent more things like this from happening you you know what i think as well like be really sure when you have kids that it's going to be with someone that you stay with forever um but it's just Gosh, it's, it's it's painful to think about those kids and wondering why, like, oh, why hasn't who I think of daddy visiting any, anymore? Um, yeah, too sad. But I think that's it for the show tonight. If you guys are watching live, then be sure to stay on the stream because we're going to be back in just a few seconds going over some super chats. But aside from that, thank you so much for tuning in and we'll see you next week.